Flatback Classic. Muniradio.fm. It's hot Saturday afternoon. Coming at you. Here comes a little bit. Okay, we with And she goes, You have mail. Oh, 
Catholic discipline. It's, uh, it's a graffiti that uh, a couple of years ago when I was working at the mask, kind of part-time, I was cleaning up the shit on Monday mornings. Uh, it's a graffiti that I found on the, on the men's room wall in big dripping red letters. This is a trendy one here. getting harder. I think there's a lot of bands now and when we were first doing it there weren't that many bands and a lot of the new bands are just more cooperative as far as doing a sedate safe stage show. There's no threat of um, an imminent riot.
desperate. John wrote that song. When he lived in Venice and he wrote it for me to sing. And it's really weird because at one point I started thinking, there's gonna come a point where we're gonna keep performing the song. Sure, they're desperate. I just paid six dollars to see this band, you know, they're not desperate. No such thing as New Wave. It does not exist. It's a, it's a figment of uh, lame Kant's imagination. There was never any such thing as New Wave. It was the polite thing to say when you were trying to explain you were not into the boring old rock and roll, but you didn't dare to say punk because you were afraid to get kicked out of the fucking party and they wouldn't give you coke. Just to get her aggression out. Just to get her aggression out, you know, because they're fucking on her, though. That's why I do it, just to get aggression out. All this fucking pent up shit. They cut their hair and, you know, they dye it and then they come up there and, you know, a lot of them cause problems, you know. You see the young kids with their heads shaved and uh, they really get belligerent. Short hair is just the American, the clean cut American look. That's just like, they go by a parent. I guess I'm scared that they person. I would probably punch that anybody I know.
at the bottom it says thank you. And you can tell them to fuck off. It's Black Flag.
Ron Reyes, uh, Chavo might not need your sympathy, but Mutiny Radio certainly does. So, mutinyradio.fm, excuse me. So, we're both depressed, both Ron, Greg Ginn. I guess Greg Ginn's not that depressed. Look up uh, how much he pays all the SST people. Uh, Yeah, we need your money. So, we need your sympathy. And uh, Flat Black Plastic is the name of the show. And we're going to keep rolling, keep on going around like a record, like like the earth around the sun and the moon around the earth, like the wheels on the bus, like a kid's song.
church youth convention, about 5,000 people in the Squirrel Valley in 1961, 62. And one of the older conservative members was very upset that I was even there. And Mr. Seeger, who are you intending to overcome when you sing that song? I tell him, and I'm in all honesty, a song is not a speech. It means different things to different people. I think in Selma, Alabama, a lot of people were singing, they wanted to overcome Sheriff Jim Clark, who was uh, beating people up and throwing them in jail. I think Dr. King was thinking more of the system of racial segregation throughout not just the South, but through the country in many ways around the world, because he was a very far-sighted man. I think, when I'm seeing it, that the most important word is the word we. Because the human race is either going to make it or we're not going to make it. We're all going to make it, or we're all not going to make it. And in my more optimistic moments, I think we shall overcome. Not always optimistic. It's a white man came here. Remember, about three weeks ago, I understand. It is a white man selling Bibles. And he came in here. He lived in Texas. And he got to talk about the Bible. I said, yes, I said, I love Bible. I said, in every room in my house, you go in, you'll find a Bible. I said, it's not cold. I said, it's on, on different chapter. What I read, I said, now, he said, well, he said, you about to first and now went around and talked about they had Bibles and how they had them. I said, well, I can show you mine. So one there, one in there on the chest, and I know she seen them, but you never had to. That Bible laying in there open on top of that chest and drop. There's a Bible right there. There's a Bible in there up under that table. There's a Bible in the back room. There's a Bible on the table. Mm -hmm. Now you know I got Bible. And he got to talk, he said what he was trying to do was sell these Bibles to help him through college. He said he would get married next year, in the summer. You must know him, don't you? I feel a lot of people like that selling Bibles. And so and he got to talking, and so I was cooking dinner. He said, mm, something smells mighty good. I said, what you cooking for them? I said, I think you're asking me my heat question. I said, well, no. I can tell you just what I'm cooking. He said, well, I said, I'm fixing a steak and some rice and some toast. He said, mmm, that sound good. He said, when have I had a steak? Well, when he got done, we got ready to go. He said, would you mind giving me a piece of steak? I said, come on in here and sit to the table and hit yourself. Come on, help yourself. I put it on the table and told him to help yourself. Eat just what you want. You want some water? Give me one more milk and give me one. And he enjoyed his dinner. His steak and rice and toast. Mm -hmm. And he got a piece of his one. You don't know how I appreciate it. I don't know the last time he was, I had a piece of steak. I suggest now. That's the last time I had a piece of steak. <laughs> ready to go back to Texas. He come back here and he asked me about 
full name and everything. So he wanted to show me how he appreciated when he grew back home. He was going to send me a cover. It would be worthwhile. Now suppose I had to turn him down. and there's everything that she needs. Where did that come from? That's a blessing from God. She don't know how she got it. She didn't have no money to buy it. Now how she got it? That's a blessing from God. Mm -hmm. And then she said, don't never drive a stranger from your door because you don't know who you're driving away. You could be driving Jesus Christ away. And you turn them down. So don't turn nobody down. They come to you high mad for a piece of bread. Give it to them. And I don't care who it is, white, black, blue, green, or yellow. They come in and say, I'm hungry. Just come on in. I'm going to fix them so neat. If ain't nothing done, I'll fix it. Black Plastic Mutiny Radio FM.
shouted my name I was carrying two feet of land See the rising sun On this make-believe town White shimmy shining leather Burglars of brown I was in the water You were dry You yelled my name Now I know why I'm still learning how to crawl
I do love living in the city, and if you get if it gets you down when you see a bunch of really bad shit going down, literally and figuratively, do your best and try and go to the museum or go to the park or something and go, yeah, there's good shit and bad shit, literally and figuratively, together, so... Try, try and keep an open mind. I've been in jury duty and the judge says that every fucking day, 20 times. Keep an open mind. So I'm passing it on legally. Half squatter, half tenant, no rent. A sort of inheritance. White, in your 30s now, and supposed to supply me with vegetables. But you don't, or you won't, or you can't get the idea through your brain. The world's worst gardener since Cain. Tilted above me, your gardens ravish my eyes. You edge the beds of silver cabbages with red carnations. And lettuces mix with alyssum. And then umbrella ants arrive, or it rains for a solid week, and the whole thing's ruined again, and I buy you more pounds of seeds, imported, guaranteed, and eventually you bring me a mystic three-legged carrot, or a pumpkin bigger than the baby. I watch you through the rain, trotting light, on bare feet, up the steep paths you have made, or your father and grandfather made, all over my property, with your head and back inside a sodden burlap bag, and feel I can't endure it another minute. Then indoors, beside the stove, keep on reading a book. You steal my telephone wires, or someone does, you starve your horse and yourself and your dogs and family. Among endless variety, you eat boiled cabbage stalks. And once I yelled at you so loud to hurry up and fetch me those potatoes, your holy hat flew off. You jumped out of your clogs, leaving three objects arranged in a triangle at my feet, as if you'd been a gardener in a fairy tale all this time and at the word, potatoes, had vanished to take up your work of fairy prince somewhere. The strangest things happen to you. Your cow eats a poison grass and drops dead on the spot. Nobody else's does. And then your father dies, a superior old man with a black plush hat and a mustache like a white spread eagle seagull. The family gathers, but you, no, you don't think he's dead. I look at him, he's cold. They're burying him today. But you know, I don't think he's dead. I give you money for the funeral and you go and hire a bus for the delighted mourners. So I have to hand over some more and then have to hear you tell me you pray for me every night. And then you come again, sniffing and shivering, hat in hand, 
with that wistful face, like a child's fistful of bluets or white violets, improvident as the dawn, and once more I provide for a shot of penicillin down at the pharmacy, or one more bottle of electrical baby syrup. Or briskly, you come to settle what we call our accounts, with two old copybooks, one with flowers on the cover, the other with a camel. Immediate confusion. You've left out the decimal points. Your columns stagger, honeycombed with zeros. You whisper conspiratorially. The numbers mount to millions. Account books, they are dream books. In the kitchen, we dream together how the meek shall inherit the earth, or several acres of mine. With blue sugar bags on their heads, carrying your lunch, your children scuttle by me like little moles above ground, or even crouch behind bushes as if I were out to shoot them. Impossible to make friends, so each will grab at once for an orange or a piece of candy. Twined in wisps of fog, I see you all up there, along with Formoso, the donkey who brays like a pump gone dry then suddenly stops, all just standing, staring off into fog and space, or coming down at night in silence, except for hoofs, in dim moonlight, the horse of Hermoso stumbling after. Between us float a few big, soft, pale blue, sluggish fireflies, the jellyfish of the air, Patch upon patch upon patch, your wife keeps all of you covered. She has gone over and over, forearmed is forewarned, your pair of bright blue pants with white thread. And these days your limbs are draped in blueprints. You paint, heaven knows why, the outside of the crown and brim of your straw hat. Perhaps to reflect the sun, or perhaps when you were small, your mother said, Manuel Zinho, one thing, be sure you always paint your straw hat. One was gold for a while, but the gold wore off like plate. One was bright green. Unkindly, I called you chlorophyll kid. My visitors thought it was funny. I apologize here and now. Helpless, foolish man. I love you all I can, I think. Or do I? I take off my hat, unpainted and figurative, to you. Again, I promise to try.
excellent news for the world. There's no such thing as new wave. It does not exist. It's a, it's a figment of uh, lame Kant's imagination. There was never any such thing as new wave. It was a polite thing to say when you were trying to explain you were not into the boring old rock and roll, but you didn't dare to say punk because you were afraid to get kicked out of the fucking party and they wouldn't give you coke anymore. There's new music, there's new underground sound, there's noise, there's punk, there's power pop, there's ska, there's rockabilly, but new wave doesn't mean shit. Ready?
Rock it again, blue cat, go! 
For many months of the year, there streams and sings for its heady supper a dazed and prejudiced procession of European lecturers. Scholars, sociologists, economists, writers, authorities on this and that, and even in theory on the United States of America. And breathlessly between addresses and receptions, in planes and trains and boiling hotel bedroom ovens, many of them attempt to keep journals and diaries. At first, confused and shocked by shameless profusion and almost shamed by generosity, unaccustomed to such importance as they are assumed by their hosts to possess, and up against the barrier of a common language. They write, they write in their notebooks like demons generalizing away on character and culture and the American political scene. But towards the middle of their middle-aged whisk through Middle Western clubs and universities, the fury of the writing flags. Their spirits are lowered by the spirit with which they are everywhere strongly greeted and which, in ever-increasing... That black box in a wine barrel. Our house seems to be unstable, 
the flower-fed buffaloes of the spring, and the days of a long ago, ranged where the locomotives sing, and the prairie flowers lie low. The tossing, blooming, perfumed grass is swept away by the wheat. Wheels and wheels and wheels spin by, and the spring that still is sweet. But the flower-fed buffaloes of the spring left us long ago. They gore no more, they bellow no more, they trundle around the hills no more. With the black feet lying low, with the pawnees lying low, lying low. A little bit more slowly than I do it for a parlor audience, but in order to meet the record and due proportion, I find it necessary. I have to hold back to that pace. People who wish to study it, I would suggest they keep the tune, but put a little faster time. Have you forgotten? In the ages, long, long ago, I was your sweetheart. There on the sand, storm-worn beach of the Chinese land, we sold our grain in the peacock town, built on the edge of the sea, sands brown, built on the edge of the sea. by a red plastic two lovebirds on a stick for it. <laughs> a vinegar rinse gives it red highlights and it bounces as I walk. My new dress is blue and white checked with a white piquet yoke embroidered with cherries. I feel so attractive in this outfit that just this morning I've said to my mother, Mama, if I die while I'm still a kid, will you bury me in this dress? My new school bag slung across my chest bangs between my elbow and my waist. Inside, my new Cinderella pencil box with its own built-in sharpener. No more interrupting walks to the windowsill. 
and something I have always wanted, a big new art gummy racer with all its corners still sharp. I should feel a lot better than I do, and I did until last May when Miss Fortin called on me to read aloud. I like school, and when I'm asked to read aloud, I read aloud, full out, a performance almost. Lily Tomlin, you read for us. Everything is going well. The class is caught up in the story. I've got them. Very loudly, I say, Jack is worried. He cannot find the boat. There is water all around the island. How was I supposed to know? You think you're okay, and then something like Island comes along. That was last May for the rest of the term. When I was asked to read aloud, I would just mumble into my book. And now I've spent the entire summer hoping and praying that I will not be Lily Island Tomlin for the rest of my life. But deep in my heart, I know it's impossible for 30 kids to have moved and changed schools over the summer. I dread the schoolyard. Hey, Island, worry, there's that kid Tomlin so stupid. Oh yeah, Island, Island, Island. But like every other kid in America, I have the chance to start over again each September. And after my first day in the second grade, I'm happy because nobody seems to remember Island and because I found the best reason ever to like school, Miss Sweeney. Miss Sweeney, Mama, her name is Miss Sweeney. She said we could sit wherever we want. I sat right up front and she smiled at me. Mama, she looks just like a movie star. Miss Sweeney did look like a movie star. She looked like Loretta Young. And she wore cashmere sweaters to school. Each one monogrammed with a little M, big S, little A. I'd sit at that first desk in row three for hours trying to figure out that monogram. I knew the big S stood for Sweeney, and I just had to know what her first name was, little M, little A. And one day when I should have been coloring Lake Michigan blue, I peeped up and I saw Miss Sweeney reach inside her cashmere sweater. My heart stopped. As I watched the shape of her hand move slowly under little M, big S, little A. I didn't have breasts yet, I was only seven. But I knew that when I did, I would feel about mine exactly the way Miss Sweeney felt about hers. Flap like blasting mutinyradio.fm. That day I walked her to her car for the first time. What is it that you wanted to ask me, Lily? <laughs> is your first name Margaret Ann? Oh. How did you guess? It was just a hunch. Could I call you Margaret Ann? Well, I think you'd better call me Miss Sweeney. Yeah, okay. Well, at least in front of the other children. See you tomorrow, Margaret. In my mind, we were friends. True, she was taller. <laughs> Almost three feet. But they didn't let kids wear high heels to school in those days. In class, if I'd speak out of turn, she'd understand. She'd say, Hold your horses, Lily. 
then she'd laugh. Oh. I could always make her laugh when I wanted to, and I almost always wanted to. Some days, if she was tired after school, I'd understand. It wasn't easy teaching 30 kids how to read and write. I didn't think of myself as teacher's pet. It's just that I had nothing in common with a bunch of illiterate seven-year-olds. I knew Miss Sweeney had a boyfriend, and I had a hunch his name was Daryl. Yes, one day, Daryl would walk into class. Miss Sweeney would turn from the blackboard. Their eyes would meet. Daryl would rush to her side, sweep her up into his arms, and give her a long, passionate movie star kiss. The other kids would laugh and titter. What could you expect? Not me, I'd understand. Daryl would look at me, the only child not laughing, walk to my desk, lift my eyes to his, and say, Why, you must be Lily. <laughs> Look at the monogram D on his sweater. <laughs> yes, and you are Daryl, aren't you? Why, how did you guess? <laughs> oh, Daryl, Daryl, Lily is the very best there is at guessing names. How she ever guessed Margaret Ann, I will never know. Why, of course, I should have known. Won't you join Margaret and me for a cup of coffee? Margaret wants you to be bridesmaid at the wedding. And then you must come and live with us. <laughs> I was the first to see him. He tapped lightly on the glass. Miss Sweeney turned suddenly from the blackboard and squished the chalk, something she'd never done before. Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1 800 Law Tigers or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834.
to mutinyradio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 
That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499. Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials on